Deezer Originals. This is Defending in Numbers. Hello and welcome to Defending in Numbers, the podcast where we walk down the corridor of uncertainty, pretending to know a little bit more about football than we actually do. My name is Rob Armstrong. I'm a football dinosaur. I don't know stats. I just know passion and pride and black boots and things. But I am joined today by someone who knows a lot about stats. In fact, he's got them painted all over his bedroom wall. He has posters of numbers. I'm talking about hot take Jake the Snake. Entwistle, how are you doing, Jake? I've never actually thought of doing that. My favourite ones now, I might start getting them laminated and put up around my bedroom. You're like Sounds a f- like a good idea. You're like a footballing beautiful mind. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and a footballing, not quite as beautiful mind, but a beautiful man. Ollie yeah, Young I'll Miles. Oh, how <laughs> are you? I'm not too bad. How about you, Ollie? I'm excellent. Joining us. early, but... I'm, I'm ready to talk some numbers. Yeah, early and cold. Yes, very cold. I yeah. think it's very key to mention to the listeners how cold the walk-in was. Yeah, my ears are freezing. Yeah, the sacrifice we make <laughs> to get this podcast to you. This pleasure. podcast, Defending in Numbers, which you can find on Deezer, where you can also find lots of great podcasts, live Premier League commentary and football playlists. So download the Deezer app or go to www.deezer.com on Things that do websites. What does websites, Jake? Phones, Phones laptops, laptops, desktops. Desktops, yes. Yeah. Shout out to my desktop man there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and on that note, let's move on to the first section of the week, Week by Numbers. The Week by Numbers. Let's start with the number 15, and that's the number of times in the Premier League Liverpool have beaten Manchester City at Anfield. Uh, so Man City, they're not unbeatable. Yes. Which or, or invincible even. I don't know, it all means the Which same one? thing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Arsenal lost in the cups anyway, so they weren't exactly invincible. No. I mean and they all could have died that season if like there'd been shots. So they're not invincible. No. <laughs> it's a stupid name. Yep. It's a stupid name. Agreed. And Man City aren't invincible now. You, they've been <laughs> You've been you've been hiding this. They've one been away, relegated to pure morsel flesh. Yeah. Not invincible. But uh basically, Liverpool, that attack just was ridiculous. And the three minutes of Yeah. Three minutes of orgasmic football. Uh, basically, it undid all of Man City's hard work, but I'd still make them favourites for yeah. every cup they're in. Yeah. Um, it was so nice seeing Liverpool do to another team what they've done to Arsenal for the last four or five seasons. Just smell a bit of weakness and then absolutely go for it. That, As you said, that three-minute period where Salah, Firmino and Mane just wouldn't let John Stones and Otamendi have two seconds on the ball and they absolutely punished them for it and Jurgen Klopp I was almost disappointed not to be on the podcast last week because I thought this this fixture Anfield Liverpool-Man City was the one that I'd say if Man City were going to lose a game that would be it and it's just because of that Jurgen Klopp style and he's he's Pep Guardiola's kryptonite I think five <laughs> times Klopp's so romantic <laughs> yeah I know he is though. It's it's that it's that style and the the one way to play against Man City. Even Bristol City showed it in that cup tie beforehand. Is just to go head to head with them. I, I'm a big fan of John Stones and I, I was really reviewing him and rating him before he got that injury. And ever since he's come back from that, he's made a poor error against Burnley in their FA Cup. He's given away a penalty against Bristol City, and now he's that mistake to let Firmino. He got bullied by Firmino and then. Liverpool went and scored so he's struggling and Man City look a bit weaker but fair play to Liverpool that was an incredible display from stones to groans Ollie that's your headline (laughs) (laughs) wow how do I work with this Uh, yeah I mean as Jake sort of touched upon it was sort of Liverpool's high intensity pressing we know that they do that all the time but I think it's just they unsettled and unnerved City so much 
uh, in that first half and then, you know, sort of 25 minutes into the second half. Um, they absolutely blitzed them. Um, but just, I think a key part of Liverpool's game plan was to just shut Fernandinho down. Um, Emre Chan and Oxlade Chamberlain, uh, specifically in central midfield, just shut him down straight away. And Firmino sort of came in from the other side as well. So they sort of pincered him. Um, and sort of blocked off his channels backwards and forwards. So he had to pass sideways. And passing sideways into the channels where Salah and Mane are waiting is pretty much a dangerous recipe, you know, asking for trouble. Um, and it's interesting, he only completed 86% of his passes, which is still quite high, mm. uh, but it's his third lowest tally of the season. Uh, the other two are against United and Tottenham, who also probably pressed him quite hard in, in that central area as well. So I think that was a key part of Liverpool's game plan, pushing City high up the pitch, and targeting Fernandinho, and he, he actually struggled, I think, probably for the first time this season. I think a lot of it was summed up by Andy Robertson yes. running the length of the yeah. pitch in the 75th minute to charge down the keeper. That was incredible. His heat map's amazing. It's just <laughs> got it like a, one little patch <laughs> on the right-hand side of the opposition's box. I'm going for it, yeah, and he's just bombed <laughs> forward. But As well, I think he typified it himself, not just that bit. He had seven tackles and seven clearances, which was the most of any of those metrics across both teams. So... He had a really good display and he's sort of establish, establishing himself as that number one left back. And I think even before he's done this with his performances, a lot of people, he was getting left out of the squad completely towards the beginning. And it was so bizarre because Moreno, for how good he looked going forward, was still so much of a liability in defence. And Andy Robertson, again, he looks so good uh, crossing the ball and winning the ball. But Oli touched upon Firmino's role there. And I just think he... Liverpool fans will let you know that he's one of their best players, but I really start to believe that he's probably their most important, purely because he's so unique. Um, since he's joined the club, he's won 158 tackles, which is double the amount of Coutinho, who also played that pressing t- uh, style. And it's the same amount as Jordan Henderson, who is their holding midfielder and in the team to win tackles. So for Firmino to put out that that amount of tackles and... And he's also got 55 interceptions as well. So combined, he's up there as the most defensive forward in the league. But he's also scored the most goals and got the most assists for Liverpool since he joined the club in the Premier League. So I'm starting to think that despite how many goals Salah is scoring this season, uh, the role that Firmino plays couldn't be played by anyone else. And I'm, I'm well in the camp of that. He is their most important player now. He's also got teeth that are so white that sometimes they look blue. (laughs) <laughs> and there's my interesting football stat for everybody. Uh, he, he also had that song. I suppose they all had that song, oh, didn't they? Yeah, I can't get it out of my head. Yeah, I know. It's, it's properly it's, stuck it's, in my head. It's when I'm, lodged when I lie, firmly in there. When I'm going to bed, I can. it's just replaying in my head. I just can't get rid of it. Didn't quite work on the... Co- <laughs> I think I think the, the Coutinho-Firmino bit confused the masses. Yeah. Mm. They're both Perhaps. Inyo. Yeah. Couldn't get, get right. used to it. Yeah. Just one more thing on Firmino. Oh, one more. One Go more on. thing. Um, it's interesting like we spoke about Liverpool's pressing be. and stuff but <laughs> I mean they only had 35% possessions so they obviously had to work hard but they out sprinted City they completed 674 sprints as a team compared to City's 640 and Firmino completed 82 of those so I mean he's just a machine yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like, he, he does all that running and then by the end he can still score an absolute worldie so. take off his take off his top and whirl it around yeah. <laughs> another little stat which is one of my favourites is that he's been booked more times for excessively celebrating than any other player since 2012-13 so. that probably would have got you a point in the showdown you've, uh, you've, no, you've shot used, your bolt there yeah, but that, that, that's in the past he's done that now so I can't <laughs> use that one alright let's move on from the would-be invincibles to the definitely not 
going to be invincibles for a very long time. Arsenal and the number 22.2%, which is their win rate away from home in a Premier League without Alexis Sanchez. Uh, two wins from the nine he's missed since he joined the club. Bournemouth, that was a barrel of laughs. That Arsenal team at the moment, oh. I think, I know there's injuries and I know there's extenuating circumstances and mm. contract stuff and whatever. That Arsenal team that was playing at Bournemouth, I think, was the worst Arsenal team I've seen in the Premier League, probably player for player. And I think the, people forget some of the players we used to have. Yeah, I know, but you used to throw in like a Vito Minoni or that guy whose name sounded like a Pokemon or can't remember some young bloke or even a Frimpong here Frimpong. and there. But uh, at least it was surrounded by quality and players who looked sort of like they wanted to win. I mean, let's not pretend that they've had a backbone since Vieira have left. But um, Maybe 2011-12, I think yeah. they might have been worse. But this this Arsenal side this is vintage. Be seven. Yeah, but we had Van per- like Van. Yeah, Percy they still had Van Persie. And was Fabregas still there, or did he just no, gone? No, he's gone. He'd just gone. Yeah, they had Van Persie. So they had one good player. But yeah, no, against Bournemouth. I mean, they struggled against Bournemouth last year, didn't they? And this time they actually didn't pull it back. Um, it's a real, real issue. I think. Yeah. So I mean, it, obviously Sanchez is a huge player for them, and they've struggled without him. But I think even with him in the side, their away form. Uh, has been really patchy this season. They've only picked up 13 points after 12 away games in the Premier League. They've only won three of those, um, which is their worst record at this stage of the season since 2005-06, which is when their form sort of yeah. started to dip post-Invincibles. Um, and they've only won five out of 17 away games all season in all competitions. So I, th- I think it's just it's more to it than, than just Sanchez missing. I think the personnel, you know, there's too many sort of maybes in that Arsenal side at the moment players that have potential but aren't quite there yet you know Chambers Maitland-Niles holding and the system doesn't help them either because they're all playing in sort of odd roles or positions that isn't sort of helping them uh, progress in the right manner so there's a lot of issues at Arsenal and I just think away from home it's sort of exacerbated you know by just not picking up points they're not scoring goals either they're hardly even scoring that's the thing and 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 now they're selling Walcott goal scoring extraordinary well we've got 100 goals for the club yeah in 11 years yeah yeah I know (laughs) but well to be fair there's one there's one record that he can't equal now so if he goes and doesn't play again it doesn't look like it He if he scored this season in the Premier League he would have scored in 11 seasons which would have equaled Dennis Bergkamp's record for the club so he's they've been in not binning him off before he's got a chance to he's only played about 60 minutes 64 minutes yeah what season yeah, yeah. In the Premier League, he's been Europa League man. Really? Is he only played sixty-four, 64 minutes, minutes yeah. this year in the Prem? I know. So it's yeah. he's like there's some injuries there, but that seems like extremely low for. Yeah, if, I mean that's properly in the bin, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't be bothered. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think about that away record, you'd think someone like him might be useful at some point, just mm. to bring on twenty minutes to go, give him a go. But even then, Wenger's just be like, nah. Undying love for Danny Welbeck. I've had enough of you. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> and it won't be. Yeah, the only two wins we've got away though without Sanchez. Just going back to that quickly, are against Aston Villa twice. Yeah. <laughs> so nine games we've beaten Aston Villa without him. Defeats against Bournemouth, Watford, Stoke, Southampton, and Spurs. Draws against Stoke and Liverpool. The only games in that where you'd say the results were probably right or you'd expect them are the Spurs and Liverpool. So Arsenal are just in trouble, and we just need to get rid of him. And now it's just about mm. bringing in that, bringing in someone else. Well, yeah, let, let's have the Sanchez chat then. Where do we think he's going? Because I think Chelsea have put in like some weird little last minute bid that no one's really taking that seriously because yeah. obviously it's competing with their bid for Andy Carroll which is the <laughs> big one uh, but but Man City Man United it looks like Man United is now the more likely of the two because City yeah. are, 
uh, being asked for 25, 35 million or something, and they're not, even City aren't willing to pay that. Mm. It seems bizarre that City are pulling out for financial reasons, but that, that seems to be the case. Um, and United, it sort of fits, doesn't it? Like Mourinho likes players in that sort of peak years of their career to come in and do a job instantly. It won't take Sanchez too long to settle, I wouldn't have thought either. I just find it interesting to see where he's going to fit in because obviously his his best role is probably out on the left, which is where Martial and Rashford have been sort of taking it in turns to tear teams apart really this season. On the right wing, it's probably been more of their their issue, even though Lingard's been playing well recently. But yeah, I mean, it's going to change the dynamic. And again, it's another huge name in, in attack. We've seen Lukaku's struggled a little bit with Ibrahimovic breathing down his neck. Now suddenly he's got Sanchez as well. So mm. it'll be interesting to see how he's kind of moulds that all together and whether it um, has a detrimental impact on Martial and Rashford's minutes. Arsenal's replacements are looking pretty tasty though because there's Malcolm who I think is pretty close to being done. Again, yeah, it seems that's been talked about but there's no no one knows with Arsenal, I suppose. And then McTarian, a real fun list of names. You get Malcolm, which is like a Brazilian with the most English name ever. And you get Henrik McTarian, who... You know, it started the season like a house on fire. It looked yeah. absolutely brilliant, especially after everyone had called him fat when he came back from summer <laughs> yeah. and then he turned out to get like seven assists in his first six games or something. And then uh, there's also been a lot of talk, as there always is around him, which probably means he'll end up nowhere. nowhere. But uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who uh, like has been a top striker, yeah. everyone's wanted him for years, always linked with Real Madrid, Chelsea, Bayern Munich, Everyone, because you know he's been thought was top guy forever. So um, I think you know if, if Arsenal see Sanchez and Walcott go with this window, and they get one of, or no, sorry, if they get two of Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, and Malcolm, it's not really a bad window, is it? I mean, they could probably do with a centre back yeah. and a sturdy holding midfielder. midfielder. Yeah. <laughs> that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's like Aubameyang in isolation is like, wow, what a signing that is. Like he, as you said, he's been one of the top goal scorers in Europe ever since he joined Dortmund, especially, and he set loads of Bundesliga records. Top, top non-scoring German for uh, for Borussia Dortmund, first non-German to get thirty goals, and you can reel them all off. He's an incredible goal scorer, but he's not that great on the ball. That's why Walcott struggles in our in our side. Um, where does Lacazette play? Does Lacazette now become a left winger like Sanchez and Aubameyang goes up top? It's not. In isolation, it's a very good signing, but then when you try and put him in that Arsenal team, we've struggled to create any good chances. Aubameyang isn't going to pick up the ball and start dribbling through players and do one-twos. He's there to finish in the box, and at the moment, we can't even get it in the box. So as much as it looks nice on paper, Malcolm, we spoke about before on uh, who's this fella, and he, he is that sort of player that will pick it up deep, carry the ball, and create chances, but he's 20 years old, so we can't expect this kid to come in and pick up where Sanchez left off. Sanchez is in the peak of his career and even he struggles to carry Arsenal sometimes. So finding the dynamic is is going to be difficult and then it becomes, if it's just, the, the rumours are now that, so Man City have pulled out because they can't afford him, but Man United are somehow getting away with just a straight swap. It's but, like FIFA came to life. But that was never happened either. That yeah. is embarrassing for Arsenal. Alexis this Sanchez. This whole thing has been. It, it, I know the whole thing is, but to get Mkhitaryan, as you said, he started great this season. Five assists in three games is like a Premier League record, equaled from 1994-95. But he's got none since, mm. and he's only been directly involved in eleven goals in the Premier League since he joined Man United. 
and he scored 11 in his last season for Dortmund so the talent's there but he's obviously not enjoying the Premier League for some reason and to get rid of Sanchez for no money and, and a player that will be hit or miss is, is so worrying and but you say it's Sanchez for no money, but I feel like McTarion doesn't really want to go to Arsenal that much. Yeah, absolutely not. If he's well, he, kind of forced into going, it looks like at least then you have a replacement, you know, because Sanchez is going for free otherwise. Yeah, I think the Boy, problem the summer, with this is, though, yeah. I mean, they're, they're basically trading one temperamental forward for another in Sanchez for Aubameyang. Aubameyang's kicked up a fuss at Dortmund a few times this year. He was left out of their matchday squad at the weekend for another mm. sort of... Uh, being ill-disciplined and then they're trading potentially if Ozil ends up leaving a sort of streaky playmaker who's very very good very hot and cold rather uh, for another in Mkhitaryan who's who's similar and also they'd be giving Aubameyang who's 28-29 Mkhitaryan the same as well yeah. three or four year deals taking them into what when they're 32-33 so it just it smacks to me of oh, just sort of desperation from Arsenal mm. Usually, you know, they, they'd have their transfer business sorted in the summer. Wenger used to get players that he could mould, you know, from 19 to 24 and, and make them players. Whereas now, he's sort of being rushed into signing ready-made players just because of this whole farcical situation that's arisen in, in that Arsenal haven't been able to get their best players tied down. So it just seems all a bit of a mess. I think the best thing for Arsenal would be to get someone like Malcolm in and just start afresh, mm. get a fresh sort of batch of young talent in to, to build around rather than, um, you know, sort of experienced players that could could work and might not work. And an enormous 20-year-old centre defensive midfielder on steroids. Yeah, that, they Ooh. absolutely need that. <laughs> I mean, They've got, we, we got a 20-year-old defender on steroids by the looks of it, the Greek guy. Oh, really? Konstantinos Mavropanos. Is he on like, the roids? Is he juicing? No, I don't know if he... I, I definitely <laughs> want to say that. The juice Mavropanos. But he is an absolute <laughs> giant. Sued, oh, no. Allegedly. Oh, no, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. Arsene Wenger has, like, was ready to go, give him on loan. Then he said, wait a minute, this guy's pretty good. So we're keeping him. But okay. he is definitely not the answer again. Um, the one thing I would say is I, I thought as well Aubameyang was this temp, temp like, based on the fact that he's been left out. And... Um, a lot of people have been coming back to me that follow Dortmund more closely and Aubameyang have been saying although he's been in trouble he's not. it's not in the same vein as Alexis Sanchez Like there's rumours of the training bust-ups with Sanchez and, and Arsenal players and Aubameyang yeah he's had a bit of um, ill feelings with the sort of hierarchy but in terms of like a player none of them sort of resent his behaviour and, it, and it's not completely ludicrous it's, it's more like Balotelli sort of just stupid Oh, fun! Stupid reasons to get stupid reasons to get banned, rather than being like an actual but I think pain. The thing with him, though, is like he's been linked away for what the last two and a half seasons. Yeah. So oh, he's God, obviously forever. his agent. Yeah. His agent's obviously chipping away at at people and, and getting him in the news and stuff, which isn't helpful in itself. So mm. there is. You know, I mean, maybe it's his entourage, then maybe more than mm. him. But I think yeah. bringing him in will cause some sort of friction. Yeah, there's trouble. Yeah, and especially with again, just to bring in Lacazette. Like, yeah, he looks exactly. like the unhappiest man. Oh, it makes me cry every <laughs> time I see him. He just head down, walks yeah. off in the 75th minute and he gets taken off. Um, so yeah, finding that balance is strange. Sanchez will go, looks like it's Man United. Looks like we might get Mkhitaryan in, in, in his place, but there's a lot to be... It's exciting because there's never been so much January movement for mm. Arsenal especially. I think uh, Sven Mislintat is having a big say because... Malcolm was who he wanted to bring in to replace Dembele at Dortmund. He's worked with Aubameyang at Dortmund. He's worked with Mkhitaryan at Dortmund. So, so expect. Um, so he's just trying Degawa to. Degawa next. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. To be fair. Get the gang back together. Again, another failed Man United player <laughs> well, uh, coming to Arsenal. They get it, all our best ones and we get their worst ones. Is it Weigel, the young kid there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Julian Weigel. I don't know if he He's, fixes it, though. No. I mean, Xhaka... Just to keep on roids and he will. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> let's bring let's bring Xhaka in. They really do miss a defensive midfield. I was looking the other day. Um, Kante, Bakayoko and Fabregas have all won more tackles than Xhaka. Emre Chan's won more tackles than Xhaka. Kevin De Bruyne has won more tackles than Xhaka. And Xhaka's Arsenal's top tackling midfielder. Mm. I mean, we saw against Bournemouth, he just completely switched off. He mm. always does that. So they desperately need a defensive midfielder. I don't know why they haven't been linked with one yet. It's, it's pretty Somehow. bizarre. Stick him on the roids. Uh, <laughs> let's... Put the Greek lad in there. Yeah. Roids are wrong. Don't do roids. And call them steroids as well. <laughs> they might get they might get confused with a different kind of roid. Uh, right, let's let's rattle through the rest of these because we've spent seven years talking about Arsenal. Uh, five. That's the number of consecutive Premier League home games. Hyung Min Song has scored in for Spurs, becoming only the second player after Jermaine Defoe to achieve that. Hyung Min Spurs. Hyungman Spurs. Oh, that's Hyungman it. Son. That's, I think that's, that's, it. that's your headline, Ollie. Uh, <laughs> Hyungman Spurs is, uh, yeah, a lot of people call him the most underrated player in the league, which sometimes I think means he's not the most underrated player in the league. Yeah. Everyone says it. But he has been, particularly over the last couple of seasons, absolutely brilliant for Spurs and is becoming reliable. Mm. Yeah. I mean, since the start of last season, he's directly contributed towards 32 goals in the Premier League. He's got 22 goals and 10 assists. Uh, in 56 games which is more impressive when you consider that he's actually come on as a sub in 17 of those so pretty much every time he starts he sets up a goal or scores a goal Um, and I mean at the weekend I mean in terms of output he's obviously he's up there probably just behind Kane and and around about the same as Ericsson Deli Ali, I think will start now hitting his stride as he did last year but I think another key thing about Son is he brings so much um, pace to that Spurs attack at mm. Wembley, which they desperately need. Without him, uh, it can it can become very static in the final third. But he has that pace and the intelligent movement as well to sort of break the defensive line and, and maximise that space. He looks to really enjoy playing on a huge pitch, mm. which not too many Spurs players do. And we saw the the assist uh, against Everton, where he absolutely destroyed John Joe Kenny. Um, Paul, Paul Lamb, yeah. his career's over already. Yeah. Spinner in twenty years and then, old, uh, and then set up Kane. You know that was that sort of encapsulated what why he's doing so well at home. You know those five goals in five games. He he just maximises the space at Wembley so well, and he just pops up in all these all these areas where he can hurt opposition, and he's mm. got the talent to pick a player out or finish himself. So he's becoming crucial for Spurs. Where's the hole in the Spurs squad? Do you reckon, Jake? Because at the moment. I would say they are probably not... Chelsea are in bad form, but I would mm. say Spurs, you look at the league at the moment, you'd think they might not finish in the Champions League places It'll be, but, yeah. this year because there's there's something missing in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon it's you know the second striker? Because Lorente, I know he got one goal in the Christmas yeah. period or something, <laughs> but he's not your... Uh, He's not your plan B, really. That you, you, he's not your ideal plan B. Yeah, I think Son could go up there though. He's he's probably a better plan B than Llorente is. I, I mean, they did it a few times last year, and Son sort of impressed in that role as a kind of false nine, mobile false nine, sort of mm. dragging defenders around and creating space for others. So I think they could maybe do that. I think the the Spurs squad isn't as shallow perhaps as as people think. Lamella is back, which. Yeah. He got the assist the other day for for Son when he passed five yards and Son smashed it in the net against West Ham. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I don't I don't see Spurs doing that much really this January. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I just think looking forward into the summer though, I, 
playing Son as a centre forward, I think, just completely takes away all the good stuff that you just said that he brings to the side. Mm. If again, if you playing on that left wing, he can pick the ball up on the halfway line and drive forward, or, or gives that outlet out wide for Harry Kane to spin and spray it wide. So I think what Spurs lack maybe is another version of Son. If he ever does play up front, then you've lost all your pace out wide. So there's always links with Zaha. Someone like that, someone more explosive, might be able to add to that Spurs. If as you, I agree with you in the fact that Spurs don't necessarily have a weak squad, it's just certain players and certain types of players are missing. Um, I think the issue with that, though, is if they go out and buy another out-and-out winger, when Spurs play three at the back, play 3-4-2-1, that's when Son drops out because they've got Ericsson yeah. playing as the playmaker. You can't drop Ericsson. No. And Deli Ali is the sort of second striker just behind Kane. So if they've got Son and, say, Zaha both dropping out as soon as Spurs go to a back three, which they will have to do for certain games, um, especially in Europe, then suddenly you've got two players that could be starting out of the side. But, but that's the thing, though, isn't it? That I, it's almost scared to have some depth. Mm. Uh, wh- why wouldn't you? Um, I think Man City might do that more often when Mendy comes back. If well, they play through at the back, then where does Sane and Sterling and Jesus... I think and people are forgetting about Lamella, though. I mean, he's, he's been out for so yeah. long, and I, th- I think he can make a, a big impact in the second half of the season. He's... You know, he um, he pops up in big games as well. He gets his assistant goals generally come against big games or in derbies. So, I think he he will give Spurs another dimension yeah. going forward as well. So, I don't know if they they will do anything. One player that has been linked is um, James Madison at Norwich, which is an interesting one. Yeah, he's getting, he's getting linked yeah, quite a few places. He's, he's, he's really good. He's really mm. good. He's like a um, he's a very clever, nimble sort of playmaker. but very good at free kicks as well. And the interesting thing with with that Spurs link is. Spurs have let Marcus Edwards go to Norwich, so I don't know whether there's um, anything in that. Do you think there's foul play, Oli? Well, I, w- I wouldn't go that far. Bribing them with yeah. <laughs> allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, allegedly foul play. Mini Messi, whatever Pochettino calls him. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's got seven goals and, and five assists for Norwich. I think the first time I saw him, he scored a free kick against Sheffield Wednesday. I think it was, and it was ridiculous, a ridiculous he, goal. But there's talk that they might do a, a similar deal with Norwich as they did with MK Dons and try and sign him and then loan him back to the end of the season to sort of sweeten them up mm, and then take him in sign. the summer He's he, yeah. uh, Madison's got a really high um, his goals are worth a lot of points mm. uh, for Norwich this season he's done quite well um, and just a point about Deli Alley's output he's actually got the most assists for Spurs this season Yeah, 10 so everyone's saying he's having a bad season he's got 7 in the Premier League which is only behind that trio of 9 and David Silva on 8 so Deli Alley notoriously blows up in the second half of the season yeah, yeah. so oh. Spurs, Poor lad. <laughs> <laughs> but I think Spurs will probably nudge Chelsea out of that position. Chelsea will find some form again, but I think it's I think Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Spurs, top four. Bold, bold prediction. Uh, let's move on to <laughs> the number two hundred and the number of Premier League games David Moyes has won. Only the fourth manager to reach that milestone after Fergie, Wenger, and Harry Redknapp, and of course he got a very Proud, well-fought victory against Shrewsbury Town the other night. Uh, only took us two hundred and something minutes to score. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it froze my nadges off. Um, but yeah, but Let, you're still, yeah, we won, we won, and now we're rolling into the fourth Fly. round where we might might get a draw at Bournemouth and then have another <laughs> replay. Well, Bournemouth uh, are actually a really good team, so well. <clears throat> So are West Ham, because we have got Marko Arnautovic, who, by all accounts, is banging him in. Left, right and centre. Was he a striker all along? Because people have been playing him on the wing, but he's six foot four or something. Mm. 
Looks he, like to me he's he might have just been a striker the whole time. It's Andy Carroll with legs. Yeah, <laughs> it's Andy Carroll with legs and talent, but without the bid from Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, and more attitude. I think more, to be fair, Moyes deserves quite a lot of credit. Is he's made West Ham difficult to break down and also freed up. On Artovich and Lanzini and Masuaku, who West Ham yeah, fans are raving about. I, no, I have to say, with Mas, Mas, Masuaku, there is there is a caveat to how funny he is to watch. <laughs> he, he is a brilliant dribbler, and like when we're playing teams That's like Man City or Arsenal or Spurs <laughs> or Chelsea, and you need someone to take pressure off for a couple of minutes or well seconds, let's face it. Yeah. But he, he'll get the ball and he'll keep it, and then everyone can clear up the pitch, and then we're in a different sort of area. But and that's. A very useful skill. And Mikel Antonio kind of did it on the right, but with yeah. his pace instead of his skill. He's injured now, but and also looked knackered after a few of those <laughs> games. But um, he, can't, he can't cross or <laughs> <But> pass. <laughs> I think the, the clever thing that Moyes has done, though, is Masuaku can't defend, and Zabaleta is just really old. And, gets, and he can get you know sort of taken apart by quick wingers, so he's made them both wing-backs. Played a back three, so the centre backs can cover them when Masuaku bombs on, as he mm. inevitably will do. And it gives Zabaleta a bit of, um, you know, he's got someone behind him that can sort of sweep up. And then with Arnautovic, he's got a mobile front man that will run the channels and link up with Lanzini, who Lanzini's hitting form now as well. He got two mm. goals at the weekend. Yeah, just in time for Coutinho leaving. Well, that, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah, that's the, what I was going to say about Lanzini is that he's very, he's very similar to Coutinho in the in style of play and the way he moves about with the ball and, and what he aims to do when he's on it. And I think, I think that sort of partnership now with Arnautovic, even Arnautovic in his interview was quite funny after he after that 4-1 win was saying, or oh, Lanzini says I'd never pass to him, so I've given him two assists now. I hope he shuts up. Like that, yeah. I, I really like that sort of attitude from Arnautovic. He knows he's a good player, um, but he's always been criticised for his attitude and consistency. And he looks like now, under Moyes, he'd be given that platform to become the star man. He, He's absolutely bullied. The last five games I've watched, he's bullied every... Mm. He might not score every game, but he's a huge outlet for them in every sense. He, he can win his headers, but... If there's if he's chasing a ball into the channels, there's not many people that can match him shoulder to shoulder. And then he's got a lot of skill and a lot of talent on the ball as well. I imagine if you're a defender, marking Arnautovic is an experience I would describe as unpleasant. Mm. Yes, definitely. I thought you were going to say like he's probably the one defender <laughs> that uh, the one striker defenders have nightmares about marking that sort of cliche. <laughs> no, no, that, that's that's Andy Carroll. Uh, <laughs> let's let's mm. not give too much credence to the uh, Chelsea bid because well. I well, might be proven wrong. We might look like idiots, but in a word, both of you, is Andy Carroll going to Chelsea? I, I don't think that can That's appear out of... I know, but I don't think it can appear out of nowhere. So I think there could be something. No smoke of that fire. Yes, well, yeah, I'm going to say yes, because they wanted Llorente. He's not exactly the same, but a big target man is obviously what Conte wants as a plan B, mm. so why not? And, you know, great for parties. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a huge loss for West Ham. We all know what no, he can bring, but if you look at it, not. he's been there six years. I didn't even... Re- and I, he's played nine games. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the thing. He's played, what's it, in, in the Premier League, he's played 110 games and he's missed 99. So, I mean, you, you uh, can't rely on a striker that misses so why, that's why Good work if you can get it. This is, again, I said that maybe it could happen because I don't think there would, this is a weird rumour to just start, but... You, if Chelsea need a reliable second striker, they can't buy someone that misses 50% of his games. Mm. Well... That's 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 all you need. That's like Harry Kane doesn't need a doesn't need someone who can play every game, does he? Yeah. They just need to be happy to sit there. And I think, to be honest, give him a kebab and and Carol's pretty happy to sit anywhere. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to the next number. That's eight thousand five hundred fifty-two. That's the number of fans that attended Yerry Mina's Barcelona presentation, uh, which is more than 
Coutinho, who only got 7,500. So, Yerry Mina, I've not heard of him. Clearly, everyone in Catalonia has. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a... It's been a signing that's been in the works for a while. Uh, he's a 23-year-old 23 central defender um, from Colombia. Um, and as we know, they're producing pretty good centre-backs at the moment with the way that Davinson Sanchez has fitted in in the Premier League. Um, it's really... Barcelona's a really good place to be at the moment, I think. Um, just from those two numbers, they're, they're, <laughs> their fans are really happy with the signings, and they but they don't haven't necessarily needed to make them. They're dominating the La Liga at the moment. They're... Um, doing well in Copa del Rey, uh, Champions League. Obviously, that's set to come against Chelsea, which would be a tough test. But um, with Lionel Messi scoring goals for fun and Suarez hitting form again, you think that Barcelona are going to be making a serious um, challenge for all of the cups that they're in at the moment. And yeah, just adding another defender is perfect because Vermaelen has had to cover for Umtiti, which he's done pretty well as well. Um, they don't concede many goals and. For Marlon from Barcelona fans, he's getting a lot of plaudits for one, staying fit, which he hasn't done for the last 10 years, and also performing well. So he's filled the void, but now they've got another centre-back to mould. And by all accounts, Jeremina looks like the most fun man in the world. Always dancing. <laughs> he's got a very fun name. Mm. Well, I wish I had a mate called Jerry. He's, he's named after Tom and Jerry. That genuine, that's a genuine thing. <laughs> well, he, I mean, he's not quite, is he? Well, because in South America, the Y is like a Z. Pretty much. So they watch oh. Tom and Jerry, and that's it. <laughs> you should have used that in your stat show. That's not yeah. stat, is it? That's just <laughs> linguistic <laughs> showdown. It's a, good, it's a good thing they called him Yerry. Like if it was Yom, it'd be like yeah. rubbish. Just always getting mugged off by everyone. Yeah. Um, Ollie, let's, let's not. We talk about Barcelona being good mm. quite a lot on this podcast. So let's do it for just a little while longer. Uh, basically, they've they're the only ones left unbeaten yeah. I think let, let's move the chat very quickly to the sort of European side of things because Man City have lost their unbeaten record but Man City have six top teams to to play against and they lost to one of them I don't think there's any shame in it Barcelona this year have Valencia Atletico and Real Madrid Real Madrid look like absolute mm, shambles off, yeah. and you know Valencia Atletico haven't Valencia have been brilliant but Atletico haven't been the most potent no. at times Uh when it comes to teams in Europe, Barcelona, Man City. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not convinced by Barcelona, to be honest. I watched them at the weekend and they were, Sociedad had them completely pegged back in the first half. Um, they were 2 0 up and they could have been 3 or 4 0 up, to be honest, in that first half. They completely obliterated them at the start. And then Paulinho, of course, popped up with another goal. I never um, doubted him. Bring, I definitely never said anything derisory about him on this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Suarez scored an absolute oh. incredible goal with a chip. And then Messi's free kick, obviously, was sensational as well. So that kind of put a, a bit of a gloss on the scoreline. But, um, yeah, I'm not convinced by the, by Barcelona's system at the moment. They're, they're playing 4-4-2, but they're just sort of shunting loads of central midfielders in. At the weekend, it was Andre Gomez on the left. He did absolutely nothing. Uh, Paulinho played on the right and, and did all right, but it doesn't really suit him either. Um, and Dembele's injured again. Coutinho can't play in the Champions League, which is a massive blow for them. I think they could get to the, the latter stages because they have tightened up, as Jake said, but um, I still don't think they're anywhere near what, mm. what they used to be. PSG's the one I forgot. PSG, yeah. Man City and Barca are the favourites, aren't they? Yeah, you'd say so. Barcelona literally haven't lost a game since they lost the Super Cup games, though. Yeah. He's must be doing something right. Like mm. yeah. um, That 4-4-2 that is really... Quite, as you said, it's it's not a diamond, but the Mike Bassett of Catalonia. Yeah, it's not a diamond, but they're playing all central midfielders. When Coutinho and Dembele are fit and come back, then you'll see more variation. But yeah, just 
just quickly, like the fact they won at Anoeta, even if it was yeah. glossed over, it's the first time in 11 years they've done it. So even if they usually struggle there, they did struggle in the first half, but they won, which they haven't done. So I think Ernesto Valverde deserves huge credit for what he's doing there at the moment. All right, then. Let's move on to I'm embarrassed to ask. I'm embarrassed to ask. So, Valverde, great manager. Ryan Giggs, yeah. <laughs> That's, why is he there? What, why has he got a national job after basically having a nine-game stint as Man United manager? It was even that many? Four, four, four games stint got- as Man United manager. And did they even win? I think they might have beaten Swansea. Hmm. They won twice, yeah. And they lost to home Sunderland. David Moyes has won 200 Premier League games. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ryan Giggs, the man who replaced him, has won two. Mm. And now he's got the Wales job. Is that just because he's a Welsh bloke, basically? I think so, pretty much. But Wales are previous with this. They they hired Hughes before he'd taken a club job. Uh, and they hired Gary Speed as well. And both of those... Uh, did really well. They progressed Wales um, and did a really, really good job. And also, Chris Coleman had sort of failed in three club jobs, took over at Wales. And I think he was all right at Fulham, on. wasn't he? He was good at Fulham, but then Coventry, Rail Sausage Dad, and he managed in Cyprus or something as well. Did mm. nothing at any of those clubs. Um, and he obviously came into the Wales job and did well. So I think there is potential for, for gigs to possibly follow suit. I just, the thing is, no one really knows what he's going to do. No one knows what his coaching philosophy is or anything. And there's, mm. I mean, there's been that video doing the rounds on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> the most inspirational team still together. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that doesn't look too good. But who knows? Who knows what he's going to do? He's inheriting a, a good group that, all right, they didn't qualify for the World Cup, but at the Euros, they, they were sensational. And he's taking on a team with Bale and Ramsey at their peak, Joe Allen as well. Um, <laughs> Joe Allen. Why are you laughing at Joe Allen? Joe Allen in that sentence. Joe Allen, the Messiah. So I know, but for I know, Wales, I know he's what so you mean important. relatively. It's just that I can help. He's in the Euro team of the tournament, mate. Come on, give him some respect. And also, they've got some good young players coming yeah. through as well, like Ampadu and, and Woodburn and Brooks as well at Sheffield United. They've got some good Who's young players coming in. Uh, There's a Derby player who plays for Wales in there. He's pretty good. Or am I just making him up? Oh, oh Tom Lawrence? Yes. Giggs gave him his debut, actually, at United um, in one of those four games. Brought Tom Lawrence in. So, yeah, there we go. It's come full circle. <laughs> <laughs> so, you were saying Gary Speed, Mark Hughes got their Wales job before they got a proper club job. But I feel like they're two quite different characters from uh, Ryan Giggs, who's never been the most outspoken yeah. man on the yeah. planet. Not exactly one to pick you up by the scruff of the neck. He's more one to just sort of take it on a mazy run down the wing and <laughs> inspire you like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they does he does can. he does he lack the I'm going to tear your nuts off uh, fear factor mm. that I think you probably need to be a manager of a team that's not let's face it Wales traditionally aren't a dominant nation no. you know? and I think they they very much you look at that semi team that got to the semi final they rely on fight and like gravel and being nasty and yeah. but also having that little bit of class with Ramsey and Bale it's like a lot of fight. And then a bit of talent. Mm. Uh, is is gigs going to have the sort of nastiness and fear factor to inspire that fight, or is he going to rely too much on being like, just give it to the bail? He'll be on left wing, which is where I used to play. <laughs> That's uh, the thing, though, <laughs> and he'll run. He's getting a lot of like um, Opta did a a really nice stat about the reason why I think it's almost a, not a bad choice, but the reason it's causing so much conflict as well is because of his obviously 
everyone's saying, well, what's he going to do when Wales have a friendly sort of joke? But the fact that he, he played 64 out of 117 possible interna- international matches. God, is that um, Andy Carroll? It, that's what I mean. So, like, again, it, I think, for example, I'd compare it to, like, Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid does not strike you as the person that... I know he headbutted Matarazzi, but he had that streak, but he was never loud or really um, obnoxious on the pitch and stuff like that. And But he's just was so successful and so talented that he gets the, they're struggling at the moment but he gets the best out of their players Giggs however I don't think he's from Wales I don't know I'm not Welsh so I don't know the real feeling <laughs> towards him but even when you see these superstars come in you think oh if it's like 100 caps of Wales Wales top goal scorer sort of thing then you sit back and listen whereas Giggs I don't think even commands that There's, and that's what I think he might struggle not only is he not a really imposing figure and, and speaker um, there might be some people that think like, did you did you really care when you played about mm. it? And again, I and don't. And is, is, is it just a stepping stone? The Wales job is smaller than a Premier League well, he, club he, job. He's right? been, yeah. He, yeah, he's been going on about wanting a job for ages, and it? yeah, as, I think that could be against him as well. He's using this as like his testing ground. Mm. The one thing I was reading up at like who they who they um, interviewed for those four candidates for the process, and none of them were, are really have much professional experience as, as senior managers. So that you can almost rule out. Four games is probably more than most. But what stood out to me was the fact that Craig Bellamy's interview um, was apparently, the it was dubbed as the Hollywood interview. And again, it would be sort of hypocritical for me to say, oh yeah, Giggs has got a four-year contract for playing four games. Give it to Bellamy. But Bellamy, whenever I see him do punditry, uh, he seems really, really well, well informed. Yeah. Um Again, his interview impressed because his view, his vision for Wales as a as a nation was apparently really uh, striking. And as Ollie mentioned, because of that, they're they're coming to end coming to an end with a golden generation. Um, but there's a new one beckoning, and I just think I've, i I would have really I would have really liked to see Bellamy get it. Um, I want to see what Bellamy can do as a manager more than I do Ryan Giggs. And I think that sort of tells its own story, even just from an outsider's point of view. And the golf clubs. Think of the fear that the golf club could strike through the heart of a centre midfielder. There you go. Oh, three step-overs in the game. <laughs> Gets the 9 iron out. Um, so what, what do we reckon for Ryan? Is he going to see through these four years or is he going to be gone by the qualification of the next, what is it, Euro 2020, I guess? Mm. It's very easy to write him off. So let's do Purely it. on the fact that I think he's sort of made a rod for his own back and that he's sort of touted himself for Premier League jobs and said, oh, I'm not going to manage at a lower level. And he's kind of, he's obviously been rejected by Premier League clubs and he's had to go a different route. So he's kind of made it difficult for himself. And I think a lot of people want him to fail because of that. Um, But I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. He he was never that committed to Wales. So there is that aspect. But I think still a lot of their players will look up to him and think, oh, you know, it's it's Ryan Giggs. I mean, he's still one of Wales' best players ever, if not the best. Um, so he still commands that sort of respect. So I don't know. It could it could really go either way. You, know, you don't know. But Wales have got enough quality to at least finish second in their group. All right. And tribute to uh, Giggs's Welsh teammates when he actually turned up to a friendly. Let's move on to who's this fella? Who's this fella? Okay then, Baz Dost. He's got a fun name. Sounds like a fun guy. I would be very disappointed if someone gives me a piece of information which suggests that he's not a fun guy. Uh, apparently, got more league hat-tricks since the start of last season than Harry Kane. And uh, no one's no one's made any £200 million bids for him. So, I mean, f- fill me in, lads. Where's he scoring his hat-tricks? Like, 
in Bulgaria. In, in, no, it's, it's in it's in Portugal. Your favourite Portuguese club, Sporting Club de Portugal. Oh, of course. So because <laughs> Ollie, it's not Sporting Lisbon. <laughs> Educate yourself. SCP. There no. you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is it not SCDP? Does it does not count? I suppose it doesn't. No, you wouldn't put the doom. But, yeah, anyway, so, again, it's not the it's not the most um, competitive league, but it's not, obviously, the worst either. Um, Liga Norsh. Yeah. That's what go. George Ellick says <laughs> when he comes on. <laughs> but, well, he says it correctly. Um, but with Bastos, I think that the hat-tricks thing is incredible. Um, and he... It's the reason he's sort of come into the limelight a bit re- uh, more recently is not only is he scoring hat tricks, he's doing it with about 13 touches of the ball. Um, he's got back-to-back league hat tricks. The first one was, sorry, 14 touches. He had 14 touches in the match and scored three goals, and then the second one was 24 touches and scored three goals. Um, looking at his numbers, he's probably one of the most statistically interesting players uh, around at the moment, which is why I think he's fun. <laughs> Not only does he have a fun name... His... Jake, Jake's, Jake's definition of a fun bloke is if they're statistically interesting. <laughs> his numbers are so, so fun. And I've got some for you. Um, so his his conversion rate is 50%, which in itself is... Hard, eh? is, is Yeah, that's, that's fun. Um, you're seeing... Good st- Harry Kane's, I think, is around is between twenty and twenty five. That's not fun. So that so Harry Kane has about two hundred shots though every. Oh, but that's season. the thing though. But like, that is fun. That's why he's scoring because he's having sh- like Bast mm. for Bastos to have thirty eight shots and score nineteen goals is is ridiculous and fifty percent conversion rate. Unsurprisingly, is the best in Europe. He, Portugal is in a top five league, but if you include them in in that sort of bracket, he's way above Falcao's next with thirty three percent. So again, it's not necessarily sustainable but um, the fact he scores with every 25th touch he's having in the league this season is something that's quite I like, remarkable. I like his blatant disregard for passing he's um, he's completed just over 11 passes per game oh that's fun this season which I think is 17th highest in sporting squad so <laughs> basically he doesn't pass he just stand, he's basically like the big kid at school who just goal hangs and puts the ball in the net when it comes in because he's he's a penalty box finisher as well. Yeah, I think of his um, at Sporting of his fifty three league goals, all but one has been from inside the area. And if you look at his goals, I mean his last two hat tricks, I mean they're they're either headers. He's very good in the air. Yeah. He's a big he's huge big presence in in the box, or they're sort of and on nights out if he's fun. <laughs> yeah, he's just a big social presence. He just mm. gets his conversion you love rate it. out. You love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got a fun name and fun fun things about him. He's mm. a big guy, doesn't move much. He basically scores headers and open People goals. People go to him. That's yeah. that's what he does. That's he's magnetic. His, that's his thing. <laughs> yeah. how, how much is it going to cost me to sign Baz Dust? Thing is, um someone made a good point that sort of if you look at his goals it looks like a you're just watching the same one over and over again the way sporting player you slide yeah. it down the line cut it back he's there and he'll finish like he's incredibly good at that oh, so someone fun. that used to do that in the Portuguese league was Islam Slomani and he went for 28 million to Leicester mm. in this climate Bastos I think the reason we haven't seen any bids for him is because it'll be 40 plus just because sporting have no really he, he's he's old he's, he's not a young player um, like we were saying with Aubameyang, you're getting a, a player that's peaked and will only probably get worse. So I think the fact that... To yeah. be fair to him, though, he's he's had two good seasons in the Bundesliga as well, hasn't he? Wolfsburg. He, Wolfsburg, yeah. Yeah, he got, I think he got 16 in 21 league games um, a few seasons back for them. 
and then the season after he got another he hit double figures again mm. so he has done it in a big yeah. league which yeah. counts in his favour um, you know in contrast to Slivani who's obviously yeah. fallen off massively at Leicester but there is that sort of thing about playing in a smaller league uh, and scoring you know a hundred goals. Mario Jardel did it at Sporting years and years ago, and he just he went to Bolton, and Sam Allardyce couldn't resurrect him. Mm. So there's always that sort of question mark over players scoring goals in Portugal. Afonso Alves scored seven goals in yeah, a game exactly. for here in Veen. Exactly. Oh no, uh, yeah, sorry for them. He got a hat trick for Middlesbrough in that seven seven one Man City eight one. Was that, was that the one where they were protesting Sven Goran Eriksson yeah. being sacked yeah. and they all just kind of sat down on the pitch for <laughs> the whole game? Very much. Yeah. Um, the one one reason as well, another fun number. which I love fun my, numbers. The funnest of numbers involves take-ons, Rob, which you love. Oh, God, forget it. Um, no, but the reason why I don't think, again, uh, teams are punting for him is because in sporting, because they're one of the more dominant teams, Bastos, as the target man, will win his headers and and finish, and that's all he's done. Slomani, we've seen at Leicester in the Premier League, as the striker, you need to do that tiny bit more. Um, Harry Kane, for example, um, is dribbling a lot more this season. He's having to carry the ball forward for Spurs, and, and they're one of the best teams. Uh, Bastos this season has completed one take-on. and he's a, <laughs> I love him! <laughs> he, he's attempted two. And the first one, he, the first one he completed was in the first game of the season. So... He's played 18 games. In 17 of them, he's never dribbled past a player. You've, ju- you've given away the stat showdown. We're, <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? That, I would have loved that. It was a take on one. Oh, I can't believe yeah, it was a take on one, but it was, it was a lack of a take on, yeah. which I'm all for. Um, Forget the midfield. You what, don't need them. Pump it up front. Win, take on the rubbish. Can I win proxy then? Because I'm giving it all in the... I'm going to have... Your what is defensive numbers like? Because he obviously doesn't care about passing. He doesn't care about take on. He literally I, just stands in the box. I was laughing. Yeah, it. It, it makes you... <laughs> I, I assume... He doesn't have any defensive I was numbers. laughing too much. Mm, that probably not. Uh, <laughs> Patric- the, their goalies had more... T- There's only one game this season where their goalkeeper has had less touches than Bastost. Oh, Bastost, legend. I'm glad <laughs> I know who this fella is. Right, let's move on to the Stats Showdown. Stats Showdown. Okay, then you've both been here before. You both know the rules. You both know that it's best two out of three with impress me stats for me to... Uh, kind of say in pubs when people are near me and really impress them but probably not directly to them because no one goes with me Uh, Jake (laughs) I'm going to give you the chance to go first given that you've already unleashed two absolute corkers that I consider fun stats (laughs) and uh, yeah I I want another one Uh, this is where (laughs) take on this is where my my fun nature comes to the fore not Um, I'm going to go with an Alexis Sanchez one usually I'm bringing in um digging up the dirt on the Arsenal player, but this is one that's depressing as an Arsenal fan. Um, okay, I can get behind this. <laughs> Alexis Sanchez has been directly involved in 85 Premier League goals for Arsenal in his career, in 122 games. Um, that's 0.697 per game. Thierry Henry is the only player in Arsenal's history that has a higher goals per game direct involvement. What's Henry got? Uh, 0.965. Ooh, quite a, quite so a lot it's a cute. He, he is incredible, but Alexis Sanchez better than mm. Van Persie. Who okay. also went to Man United. Okay. Ollie? So I'll go with a potential Sanchez replacement for my first one. Uh, Aubameyang. He scored 89 non-penalty league goals since 2013-14, which is more than Harry Kane. He's got 85. Aubameyang's got 89. And that's because you take penalties out? Mm. Okay. Harry Kane, penalty merchant. 
Mm. Ollie said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with the Arsenal one, I think. I think, Jake, you, you, you've got that one. That's good. That's good to little... But I am... I, it, it's surprising how much better Henri was. It shows the golfing class, it shows like, how, how good he is. How good Henri How good was. people consider mm. Sanchez to be. Yeah. When people call Sanchez world class, you then <laughs> compare it to Henri. But then I suppose Sanchez is playing in a worse Arsenal team. And he's not bothered this year. Yeah. All right. That's true. All right, Ollie, <laughs> get that point back. Right. So my second one, uh, Liverpool playing Swansea this weekend. Uh, the last time, since the last time Liverpool played Swansea at the Liberty, Swansea have had six managers. <laughs> uh, Francesco Guidolin. It was his final game in charge. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Bradley. Right. Alan Curtis, Paul Clement, Leon Britton and Carlos Carvajal. <sighs> That's a good one, Jake. That's a good one. That's a good one. You're going to have to top that. I'm going to how, how, in, in a year is that? Much no, less I than think a year. It was, it was aug- no, it was August or September 2016. Oh, just so over since a year. Then. God, yeah. wow. Six managers. Yeah, this is probably going to take it. Um, as in, Ollie will probably win this one. So I'll use my weaker oh. one, I think. Um, Paul Pogba, obviously on the assist hype train at the moment, getting <laughs> two in, in another game. Um, the race to 10 is on in the Premier League. <laughs> wow, we were well. Uh, <laughs> So Kevin De Bruyne, Sane, and Pogba all, all on nine. Um, Man United actually play at three o'clock on Saturday. Man City are the late kickoff. So Paul Pogba has the chance to become the first Man United player to reach ten goals before uh, ten assists before anyone else in the season since Luis Nani in 2010-11. As if Nani ever had that good a season. <laughs> it was um, good, and Pogba will do it in 14 games, which is actually only the third fastest. Okay. Okay. See, everyone always says, why does it always end up one all? But in this case, you know, it is going to end up one all, I'm afraid. But Jake, come on. I, I'm, right. I'm begging you to have another fun one for me because you one. provided the fun all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first time I've ever done that. <laughs> um, I'll go back to Theo Walcott and back to his 64 minutes. But here's a new angle for it. Okay. Walcott's been caught offside five times in those 64 minutes in the Premier League. If you convert that to a per 90 stat, it's seven times per 90, which is the second most in Europe's top five leagues this season. Wow. What a man. He never really could grasp the offside role, could he? Too, he's too <laughs> quick. Is that, a, is that classic, Walcott, you're so quick, you don't even, you, you can give him a yard. Yeah. But he was born offside. Two Arsenal stats. Yeah. I'm going to say, you, you know, the, the 64 minute thing was almost more impressive than that one, but Ollie. Mm-hmm. It depends how you, how well you finish. Are you Baz Dost? <laughs> oh, or are you no, just measly Harry Kane with this 25% <laughs> conversion ratio, whatever it is? I need to work out how to word this. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting. <clears throat> Good sign. Right, so on Saturday, it's the 20th of January. Okay, that's not that. Man United, <laughs> Man United will start uh, the day 12, point, 12 points behind Manchester City. Uh, 22 years ago, on the 20th of January, Man United were 12 points behind Newcastle and they overhauled them by the end of the season to win the league. Mm, it's quite a good one. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good little narrative. It is, it's a lovely story. You know, yeah. It's a, li- a nice story oh, to tell. This doesn't um, sound promising. But I do like slamming Theo Walcott <laughs> because I was very worried that he was going to be a West Ham player for... Many years. Um, it's going to Everton with Sam Allardyce. So twenty-five million, just for a laugh, 
Jake, where can people find you on the internet? If they want to find me talking about offsides, uh, on Twitter, at Jake Entwistle, E-N-T-W-I-S-T-L-E, no H. And there's never been an H, Ollie. Not even once. I thought there was for ages. Yeah. Ollie, where can people find you? Uh, at omiles90, also on Twitter. And you can find me at Rob Armstrong underscore WH. And of course, you can find this podcast on the Deezer app or www.deezer.com. You can find loads of podcasts, football playlists, and even live football commentary there. And you will find us on Friday next week, not Thursday, on Defending in Numbers. Defending in Numbers is a Deezer Originals production. You can find and download more episodes on Deezer and all major podcast providers. 